Back on the Fan Morning Show, Ailish and Gunner, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Got a chance to chat with Stan Kasten yesterday. Um, you may hear the CNE Air Show in the background. <laughs> you may hear my dog barking at the CNE Air Show in the background. But nonetheless, got a chance to chat with Stan um, ahead of today's I guess the the kickoff really for what the PWHL is going to unveil. They were going to chat about uh, their new GMs will be announced at 10 a.m. They'll also have the uh, the draft order and some free agency will begin at one um, Eastern. So you might hear some big names signing with some of the six inaugural teams. But we got a chance to chat with Stan yesterday, and here is that interview. All right, so we've had a couple days here to kind of unpack what's been an incredibly exciting, important week in hockey history, uh, specifically for the women's side, but in, in general, the entire hockey world. Now, I wonder for yourself, how do you begin to describe this week, the momentum it's building, and maybe just the relief to finally get it started? I, I You know, uh, as people know, I, I've been around some cool things in my career, but I can't remember a time. I've been this excited, this enthusiastic, this exhilarated for what we are doing because we're starting something new. And it started as a blank piece of paper like eight or nine months ago, but here we are. Um, it's long overdue, as you know. Uh, the, the women's, especially the elite women's hockey players have always needed a venue where they could show their talents, where they could be treated like professionals. That was the proposition we came in with. And I cannot tell you how exciting it is. And again, how exhilarating it is to see the reaction, not only of these players who are the best in the world at what they do, but also of the fans. The support has been fantastic and I cannot wait to get going. And so you mentioned you've been, you know, you've had your hand in a lot of different types of sports franchises, uh, different leagues and different ownership roles. But this one's different. Like this is uh, you've created things before, but this is a new endeavor for yourself. So walk us through a little bit why this is a personal motivation for yourself to take on something, as you said, a blank piece of paper and try to build it into something that's sustainable in a hockey community that has had its ups and downs. Like it's, it's not always been um, um, a picture of success. So to take on something with these challenges, why for you was the, this the right step? Well, um, it started a little bit more than a year ago, Billy Jean King and Alana Claus, who are partners of ours in a number of ventures, uh, sat down with Mark Walter, told them what the opportunity would be, uh, the agreement we could make with the PWHPA. And uh, Mark said, okay, let's go. After four or five months, it wasn't happening exactly how Mark wanted it. And so he came to me, I think it was November, and said, Stan, uh, can you try to make this happen? So I did. And we literally had to start a collective bargaining negotiation um, because that would provide the security both for the players and for the ownership that we were going to be on the same footing for a period of time to, to let this build. And uh, I've been a part of many collective bargains, but, but it's always revising the last, the last agreement. This was starting from a blank piece of paper. That's harder. Uh, and uh, along the way, the great part of it is I've dealt with a lot of players personally. The people at uh, the union's negotiating committee were uh, intense and motivated and professional, but also great fun. I've become friends with all of them. That was a real eye-opener to me as to what we were getting uh, um, a partnership with. So we did that, and uh, midway through, 
we saw an opportunity to acquire the assets of the PHF, which we realized would allow us to finally have just one league with all the best players. So, so we did that, and we closed that right around the 1st of July. So I've had 60 days to now do the hard part. I was like a dog chasing a car. Now that I caught the car, now what am I going to do with it? And so we've had 60 days to invent a league, invent a league hierarchy, invent six new teams, uh, and we're only a part of the way there. But we're very excited, and we've done enough to know we are going to be playing that first week of January. And I would say it can't come soon enough, but I'd like it to go a little slower so that we can get stuff done. Yeah, there's certainly a, a laundry list, I'm sure, of things to get done, and uh, everyone's anxiously awaiting. Laundry. You know, things... That's another thing we have to think about. I have to get laundry done. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. So, so, yeah, there's a lot to do. And you need to get laundry for the players. Like, we want our gear clean. We want it fresh. So, yeah. I mean, add that to Equipment. your to-do list as well. Logos. Equipment. Logos. Oh, no. Names. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. No, it's, it's, oh, I can send you a to-do list if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so the, yeah, no problem. Um, so the PHF, um, it's for for them outside looking in. This seemed like um, a really big surprise for a lot of hockey fans um, that didn't see it coming. The acquisition or the the, the purchase of it, and then the quick turnaround. Right, it, it felt for some that players were left with not a lot of options. Um, but for you, when you look at the big picture. It was the most important stepping stone, I guess. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but to get to this point where you're kind of landing both planes at the same time. You're buying one, you're building one, and it happens in that 60-day period. So the decision to purchase the PHF and then to create the one league, why was it the right time this summer? Well, as we uh, as we got through the dynamics of starting to build our league, and we had been thinking about that, and that's what we were going to always do if we mm-hmm. successfully complete a collective bargaining group. And that was never a sure thing. But little by little, it looked like it was going to happen. That's when, in talks with Mark Walter and myself, we realized it would be worth seeing what could happen when we approached the PHF. And so we did. And mm-hmm. And, and talks went back and forth for a couple of months till we finally, finally realized we could actually acquire them. Uh, it would, you know, it would be another expense on top of what we were spending now. But Mark said, for what we are going to have in the end, it's worth it. So let's do that. And, and, and you know, I, I cannot tell you that a year ago this was the plan we all knew we would have, it, that it was inevitable because it clearly was never inevitable it was just taking advantage of the opportunities that presented themselves. Mm-hmm. And we are fortunate that it has found us in this very fortuitous circumstance of, again, having one league in six fantastic cities with all of the best players in the world. All of us are looking forward. None of us are looking backward. And again, it's four months away from playing hockey. So we have a lot to do. So you get to work with an incredible uh, cast of characters, some new faces, some people you've worked with for quite a long time. I wonder just your first impressions of the cohesive group of this new board of directors, this new ownership group, having someone like Jaina Hefford, who, of course, here in Canada is really special to us. Billie Jean King, who, I mean, I think every female athlete uh, has looked up to Billie Jean King and what she's been able to do previously with the PWHPA and, of course, now with the PH, uh, PWHL. So working with all these people, 
like you know you're usually top of the food chain but you got to learn from some people you get to you get to lend your ear and you get to learn from some others like how how exciting and how challenging has that also been for you in this point of your career first of all the only success i've ever had in my life has been due to the people that were around me mm-hmm. nothing succeeds if you need to do it all by yourself and we have had some extraordinary help both from inside my current organization from outside and from just keeping my eyes and ears open. For instance, I saw what the Dream Gap Tour was accomplishing. I saw how much work went into that, how much of those details they were already doing, and halfway through it occurred to me, why do I need to reinvent the wheel? Let's just have this internal apparatus be the apparatus for our league, starting with Jaina, who who I became a fan of the very first time I met her. And so that has fallen into place nicely. The one thing that is really up and running and ready to go is hockey ops. We still have a way to go on the business side, but we'll get there too. And so I just kept my eyes and ears open. You mentioned Billie Jean, who was not just the spiritual leader for this project. She is our spiritual leader across everything we do. So, yes, we've been very, very fortunate. The most fortunate of all was the guy who was my main partner, Mark Walter, and his wife, Kimber. They wanted to do this. They thought, besides everything else, besides building something that with a long enough time will be successful, but we're also doing something good, something important. And, uh, and when this was over, at the end of July, Mark and I were reviewing this. We sat down and talked about it, and uh, he was emotional. He said, mm-hmm. you know, this, this isn't just a business deal. We've done something important, and that's how I feel. It's funny you mentioned emotional and and not to put this individual on blast, but we had Brian Burke on our show yesterday morning and he was talking about his opportunity to work with the PWHL and he said that he started crying when he got offered the job and he's been a huge supporter here for for women's hockey forever and he's an advocate for so much equality in our sport and across many sports. But he also mentioned that you guys go way, way back and you have a a storied relationship in your time throughout the NHL and onwards and he said really great things about you so I'm giving you an opportunity to say really great things about Brian Burke on our Toronto radio because he might be listening, but he just did say, you know, the relationship that you've had, how you pushed him and how now you get to work together and how special that is for you, you know, a couple of years later down the road. It's when I was told about this and, and Kendall coin Schofield was the first one who told me about this. I said, do you know about my relationship with Brian? She says, Oh no, no, I don't. I hope it's good. I said, Oh my God. <laughs> It couldn't be better. I love this guy. Now, he is going to be tough and hard-headed, and he's worse than I am at both of those things, but it's <laughs> always coming from a good place. He's always, he always just wants what's best for the game and for these players, and we could not have a better, I'm going to call it partner, in growing this sport because we have already, in a lot of the hockey decisions that we have been making, we have been meeting with uh, committees, made up of our players they've been involved in all of our rules and all of our procedures and all of our processes ultimately we have to make decisions but virtually nothing has been done without their input Mm -hmm. and i told brian this will amaze you at how collaborative this relationship is and it's a great thing and by the way if we needed a megaphone for women's hockey in Canada, the U.S. Could you imagine a better or bigger one than Brian Burke? I can't. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought it was a fan, fantastic. By the way, 
put all the other crap aside. The guy's a Harvard lawyer. You know, he <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He could not. He we could not have been luckier. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be in for battles because that happens <laughs> in the scheme of things. But as I said, with Brian, you know, it's always coming from a good place. Yeah, we could just tell the passion in his voice, and uh, he's pretty honored to be given an opportunity, but he's worked really hard for it, and there's probably not many other people that you'd want um, if you're building a a group of people to make a successful endeavor. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the NHL and the PWHL, because... You know, previously when we were talking about one league, one league, one league, it was, uh, oh, well, the NHL won't get involved until there is one league. And so now there is. And um, I just wonder how you would describe currently the role that the NHL has with the PWHL. Is it more advisory? Is it collaborative? Um, Are they going to maybe wait a little bit to see how successful year one is before they really jump in uh, with their feet first? Uh, they're not waiting for anything. I, I told the story that from the very first minute I called Gary to tell him what we had done. He, uh, he didn't need a lot of explanation. He said, I'm in. Whatever we can do. And, uh, and that's what they've done for us. It is both advisory and collaborative. We've had questions that we needed answers because, again, we still had this blank piece of paper staring us in the face. And uh, they were very helpful in helping us to shape some of our early decisions. Um, They have offered a lot of advice and a lot of help reaching out. Gary made a point of telling both the the governors and the team presidents about us and his expectation, his hope that everyone would be helpful to us. That's that's extraordinary. And uh, it it is a real shot in the arm for us. And that's exactly how they've been. I think they're working with us as hard as they can in year one since we didn't have a firm plan in year one. But I think they expect, and I expect, for the relationship to change and grow and be even better and better in the future years once we all figure out how exactly to do this in the best way possible. I'm chatting with Stan Kasten, president and CEO of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and now, of course, PWHL board of directors and many, many other things um, on your 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 level of uh, to-do list, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the areas that you've chosen uh, as a team to start these franchises in six new teams, six new cities, a lot of them with a really deep hockey history, um, three in Canada, three in the United States, uh, and also with NHL roots. So I wonder how important it was to pick these six, why these six, and if the idea of the NHL franchises being able to work so closely was a major selling point. Well, we picked uh, these six. First of all, I think they were all obvious choices, but we probably could have said that about 12 cities. We're just not ready to be that big yet. We have to figure out how to make this work before we expand into all the cities and all the fans of the cities that deserve (laughs) elite women's hockey. Um, As you said, there's a history in all of these. These are all strong hockey markets. And uh, I don't think you can question any. We we were in discussions with some markets that are not in the NHL. Maybe we'll be there someday. We don't rule anything out for the future. But for now, um, both rolling it out in front of the NHL as well as brainstorming on our own, uh, we, we got to where we were. I will say it was completely our decision at the end, and the NHL would not have it any other way. They do not want to run our league. They just want to help us be successful because Gary 
uh, at the heart of this, and a lot of people who work for the NHL, want women's hockey to thrive. And I think this gives them the best chance they've ever had. And, uh, and for us to thrive, if Gary can be helpful, he's trying to do all that he can to make that happen. When do you expect for team names or team logos to be announced? I know there's a lot of anticipation for people to get merch and to get jerseys purchased uh, and a lot of fans eager to find out what they'll be cheering for. Yeah, me too. Uh, 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 Team (laughs) names and logos, that involves lawyers and designers and registrations and trademarks and paperwork. And those things can't be rushed. So that's going to take some Mm -hmm. time. I don't know when exactly. For now, we're PWHL Boston and PWHL Toronto, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But eventually we'll have names and we'll have logos because that's when I can do merch. And I really want to do merch because I know hockey fans are really big on buying merch. So the sooner I can get that done, the better. But, you know, for a while we may be selling jerseys that say PWHL Toronto and PWHL Montreal. They'll sell too because all it is about <laughs> is supporting your team And one thing we know about hockey fans, they love to support their teams. They'll sell and then there'll be limited edition when the team name is announced down the road. You'll be like, oh, I got the original Uh, version, right? (laughs) And for throwback games, for throwback, probably, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think think we can all say that the talent level of women's hockey continues to get better, but it was never really an issue of talent or skill, I think, probably an issue of visibility or visibility um, marketing wise for people to come out and to know and to support. So is there a different type of business plan that maybe you've done in the past with all of the the sports that you've been involved in that's going to help grow the visibility of the women's game when you already have superstars in it? Like you have Marie-Philippe Poulin who could be playing in your backyard every single week, Hillary Knight, like you have the talent. How is the marketing maybe going to be different this way this time around to help fans really get accustomed to knowing that these superstars are there every week and you can watch them and you can cheer them on. Well, well, you just said it. Marie Philippe Poulin would be someone people would want to see and Hillary Knight would be someone people would want to see. We have to let them know they're here and they're playing. So that's on us. We have to promote the teams. We have to promote the players. We have to publicize them, social media, print ads, things like that. We do know how to do that. I mean, we are a part of some really, really big Mm -hmm. consumer sports brands. When you talk about Dodgers, Lakers, Chelsea, Sparks, I mean, this is what we do. We understand there's a certain amount of investment that needs to be made in the promotion and publicizing of these teams and of these players. Because once you get to know them, once you get to watch them, you become a fan and you want to have even more exposure to them. So that's a critical part of our plan. Uh, we understand we're a startup in year one and that year two will be better than year one and year three will be better than year two, but we're not taking anything for granted. As I said the other day, no fan owes us uh, their support. No fan owes us their time or money. It's on us to make them want to do it. And I accept that challenge. So I know that uh, by the time that this interview airs tomorrow, it'll be the start of free agency, um, an incredible day, September 1st, where, where players three can sign per team. Um, do you anticipate tomorrow or today, I guess at this point, to be a signing frenzy to see these top names go off the board? Or will there be a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of courting period, uh, seeing where the best opportunity lies for some of the, the world's greatest? I, I think we'll have some of both, but how do we know? I've never done this before. I wish I saw, 
I mean, we're all learning as we go. I think frenzy is probably too much to hope for because we all are learning the rules, mm-hmm. um, including the GMs who have to be announced shortly and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and learn the rules themselves and read the CBA, which they don't have any idea about yet. So there's a lot that has to happen in a little time, but uh, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. I, I couldn't, couldn't be more pumped up about this. Do you think there's room for um, a former professional player that played NCAA hockey but has since retired, now hosts a radio show in Toronto, but might want to tip toe back into the hockey world? Do you think that she could make a roster and maybe you could help her out and say, I know this guy named Stan? <laughs> well, well, you know, actually, there are a number of players who just fit into what you described. <laughs> I will tell you that. Um, but I wouldn't want to take that person out from a thriving career to go do Ooh. this. They may be better off now doing what they're doing. You just have You're to right. do it for yourself. <laughs> okay, well, if I do decide to put my name in the hat, I'm going to say that at least I got someone rooting for me uh, up there in the board of directors. Uh, I'll try my best. Um, last one before um, I let you go, Stan. I would uh, be remiss to not ask you about the, the Dodgers in this season that, that you're a part of. It has been uh, pretty incredible to watch this season, um, and I'm looking forward ahead. You know, high expectations, high hopes, a, a World Series berth. Uh, what are you most proud of with the way that this team is, has started out this season and you're headed into September with some meaningful baseball ahead? Well, first of all, I've been in baseball a very long time, and I always envied the Dodgers franchise, the Dodgers history. Um, and so it's been a dream come true of mine to be here doing what I'm doing for the last 11 years. And, and we have the same ownership that has thrown their hearts into making this the best organization it can be. I'm proud of them every day. We have high expectations because, frankly, we're the Dodgers. We're supposed to be this good. And, and we, so we take it that seriously. An interesting thing for me, which you'll tackle at, because the two best records in baseball are the Dodgers and the Braves. I had a long run with the Braves. I have... <laughs> I have a very near and dear feeling to the Braves, and we are starting a series tonight, the two best records in baseball. The reason I bring up the Braves is the one sore spot I have about the city of Toronto is with the Braves. I lost a World Series there in 1992. Oh, wow. I'm still holding that in my stomach. I almost never let a day go by without being reminded of that. Well, we don't have much uh, since the Blue Jays won the back-to-back World Series. We got a Maple Leafs team that hasn't won since 1967. So let us have that, and then you can have your success this season ahead. And maybe with a massive free agent in the offseason that's rumored to be of high interest to the Dodgers, you might play your cards right and end up with a, a special, special franchise-altering player. But I won't ask you about your pitch for Shoy Otani. We'll just see what happens in this offseason. Uh, but we... <laughs> being, being a media member, you know how unreliable rumors are, Ailish. I'll just leave it at that, okay? Okay, okay. We'll leave it at that. But, Stan, I right. really appreciate your time. It's been so great sure. to chat. And thanks again for everything you're doing for the PWHL. I look forward to meeting you when you're up here in Toronto for whatever X game versus X team. Uh, when we have logos, we'll definitely have to meet. Okay, thanks very much. Bye. Thanks very much, Stan. That was Stan Kasson, President and CEO of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and of course, part owner and board member of the PWHL. Today's an important day, kind of kicks off what will be a busy month. Free agency at 1 o'clock today, a 10-day free agency window where each franchise can sign 
three players based on, uh, I guess, location, but also, you know, you get to get that franchise-altering player mm-hmm. on your roster early on, and then there will be a draft on Toronto, uh, in Toronto on September 18th, uh, which I'm not sure exactly where that is yet, but hoping to find out more today. There's a lot of announcements coming today. Exciting. Exciting stuff. Stan's he, fired up, clearly. He didn't rule out my return to hockey, but okay. he did say, it sounds like you might want to stay in the media world. And I said, I think you're right. I think that's the pertinent play for you as well. No so offense. Maybe I'll stay retired. Um, and there's a Blue Jay. But you should just fill Kessel. You should be like, I just have interest. I have interest. I'm interested. It's out there. They're, exactly. They're, yeah. I think it would lower the credibility of the league. I want it to be the best of the best, not washed up, retired, returning players. <laughs> but nonetheless, if we're talking retirement, it's still it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum yum yum. A current Blue Jay might be pondering retirement after this current season. Let's play this clip of Brandon Belt on a podcast, uh, Foul Territory, or he was on Foul Territory TV, an episode of that on Thursday. Uh, it's an interesting. Has the season gone that poorly that Brandon Belt wants out? Here he is. I was a free agent after 2021, but we were going into uh, that sort of lockout situation with the, the with the PA and uh, MLB. So that was kind of a weird uh, offseason for me. I didn't get to do the whole free agency thing. It was uh, I signed the qualifying offer, but you know this is uh, this is a little bit different than last year, obviously. And uh, having a good year, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I think I'm gonna have a few more options next year, but. I am getting on up there in age, so, you know, it might turn a lot of, a lot of people off. But, uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure out kind of what I want to do. Um, you know, I'm 35 this year. I got two boys that are getting older, and, you know, it's getting tougher on all of us for me, you know, when I'm gone all the time. So this is something that, you know, I got to take into consideration and, and figure out, you know, whether I want to keep, keep going or, or go home and, and be with my family. So that's how August went, eh? <laughs> Yeah. Spend some more time with their family. That's the uh, that's the famous Stan Van Gundy, I think, when he <laughs> uh, when he got told to leave uh, leave the Miami Heat. Yeah, uh, that's I I understand what he's saying. The clip obviously provides a lot of context. But if you just wake up and hear Brendan Belt considering retirement, I wouldn't be shocked based on how uh, not for him, but how the month of August went for the Jays. Yeah, missed the last two games due to back spasms. I guess that happens when yep. you turn 35, Gunner. Tight back. He's old. Tight Made 100 back. sheets, though, so good yeah, for we him. I did his, look that up. His 104 mil in Stand his career. Right. Also, quick FIBA check-in. Oh, yes. Latvia and Spain knotted up at 61-61 with five minutes left in the fourth quarter there. It's a low-scoring game. Both those teams in Canada's group, mm-hmm. the low-scoring, the tight nature will help Canada out regardless. And really also good. one other one to keep tabs on, Dominican and Puerto Rico, they're going to play each other at eight. Those are two other teams that Canada needs to finish ahead of if they want to grab one of those qualifying spots. So a lot to keep tabs on. And then, of course, Ooh. of course, Alvin joining us because Canada is playing this morning at 9 30 yes alvin in studio um at 8 30 wrap up our show they'll be on tv at 9 30 at sportsnet you can catch that of course a uh, big one against brazil and it'll have danielle michaud sherman hamilton and michael grange on the panel all that's come bill ripkin also at eight o'clock but let's take a break so we can chat with swag kelly toronto argonauts quarterback who just signed a contract extension yesterday let's chat about this great season that the argos are having and what's next for him chad kelly after the break Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Fan Morning Show, Gunner and Ailish, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, headed into the long weekend. It's a good one here. Monday off. Hope you're headed to a cottage or somewhere fun or the CNE or wherever. You doing Enjoy something? It. I am going, yes, I am going up north, north. My family has a camp. Love to see that. Not a cottage, a camp. Mm-hmm. Those of you that are northern Ontario folks know the difference. Uh, going up to our camp. Nice. going to do a little fishing. Awesome. A little construction because we're in the middle of kind of uh, building it, actually. Okay. So it's uh, going to be a hard working a weekend. working weekend. It is a working weekend ahead. I'm actually going to bring a little bunker up there for the first time. First time. It's going to be it's it's exciting. About, it's about a six to seven hour trek. Okay. And how's, you have uh, to take a boat to... How's the pop going to do with that? Well, we did just drive PEI, oh, which is 18 course, hours. Right? But this is different because he's never been on a boat mm. and he's never been out in the woods. Like, mm. you know, we live in Toronto. Yes. So it'll be a weekend of... Um, first. First for him. I'm excited. I hope we, he's like a good boat dog so we can go fishing and That'd see nice. how he does. Yep. But um, he might also be more of a land dog yeah. for the first time. But middle of like a construction site, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be... It's going to be a lot. You have um, to be on top of your dog momming. I will be dog momming a lot um, and also lend in some elbow grease. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we're in the middle of building it up. My parents, my brother have been working awesome. hard on it all summer. So going up there, what about you? I am uh, going to go play golf the second the show is over. I will be oh, hopping yeah. in my car and driving uh, as fast as, as responsible. Oh, what time's your tea time? No, no, it's fine. It's like 11 o'clock, oh, so I'm, I'm fine. No, but there's lots of traffic That's the here. thing. I just want to get out of, get out of Dodge. Uh, yes, I'll be, playing with, uh, I'll be playing with my best bud. Uh, love, love, love uh, chatting mm. with him, so I'll be doing that. And then yeah. Outside the city, right? Yeah, yeah, going out to uh, Woodstock, Brantford area there. So shout out to the wonderful people. Uh, shout out to Jake Beautiful. Muzzin, Woodstock zone. Yeah, maybe you'll see him out there. I, I would be surprised if that's the case uh, based on where I'll be playing. Something tells me if Jake Muzzin were teeing it up, it might be a little more palatial. might be much more like uh, Silverleaf, John Rahm's club that we yes. were uh, looking at early, earlier on. And then just general dadding, I mm. think, you know. Got uh, you know some rib fest probably in my future. Maybe some rides. You mentioned at a rib fest a few times today. You must be a big rib guy. No, I'm not. I'm just a you know as I get older, it's just like all right. It's, I'm a, gonna, thing. it's a thing to do. I'm just gonna go out. I'm gonna eat some overpriced ribs that are okay, uh, and then I'm gonna just the problem with me with rib fest is I always I've never. I've never gotten ribs and said that was the right one because uh, I'm just such a second a, guesser. What makes a rib good well, for you? It's the, I mean, it's all sauce, right? They mm. All these guys know how to barbecue. They know what they're doing, but it's the sauce. But then I, I am just someone, I can't make a decision. This is not <laughs> what I'm capable of doing. So the idea of, hey, here's 40 different places mm-hmm. you can buy the exact same items of food from. Why don't you just go pick one? And then it always inevitably ends up being whichever line is shortest. So yeah, that makes sense. So I enjoy it, but I'm also always a little conflicted. I you guess. Like a smoky rib? I do. Or a barbecue? Like, no, like I mix and match. I'm either here super or smoky? there. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with either. I feel like you're a guy in your future is going to have a smoker. So the the running joke is you either have to get into one of three things mm-hmm. as you age. It's uh, smoking meats. Yep. It's lawn care or it is uh, like World War II history. And I don't have a lawn. But I think I'm just going to become like a big history nerd. Really? Yeah, I think that might be. I mean, I, I was always kind of. That was the lowest uh, on my rankings oh, for I you. I always kind of loved it. I always <laughs> kind of loved history when I was a kid. So maybe that's it. I'll just be like a big World War II dad. I'll be like, You're going to watch a lot of Jeopardy? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, not until I have the answers. Once I once I take in all the history yeah, and then I have the answers. Yeah, the kid. yeah, I want to be Ken Jennings. I don't want to get dusted by him. Yeah, okay. Well, goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, did you turn. go to the CNE this year? I did not. have not been to the CNE in 
pro- well, that's a lie. I've been once in the last decade, but it was because I was a former iteration of a morning show. We were brought mm-hmm. in to like judge the wing contest oh, or something nice. along those lines. In the morning? Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a little jarring to be crushing wings at nine fifteen. Uh, so that was uh, that was something. Haven't been uh, properly to just go take it all in, and honestly, probably a decade. So I don't know. Maybe. I live too close to it to. I mean, I went last year. I haven't. I won't make it this year. But I. The thing I love best about last year was remember how it's corn was mm. the song. Yes, yeah, like so I remember song. you played it for me. Oh, yeah, I loved the corn song, and I, <laughs> I went and they had all the corn stations, mm. and it was like the thing to do. I love corn. Okay, so the corn is maybe the best part of August. My uh, my my wife's family, they're from you know the, the like agricultural part of our province there, and they brought me back some wonderful sweet corn. Picked picked that day. It's wonderful. Mm. I love corn season, so I'm very very here for it. Yeah. Yes. A big lump with knobs. He's got the juice. <laughs> He's got the juice. Uh, okay, well, I hope you really have a corn-tastic day. Yeah, oh, I do too. I hope everyone has a corn-tastic day. Man. We're waiting to get Chad Kelly on the line, of course. Uh, hopefully he's, uh, he's just counting his money. Just somebody else checking in on the uh, uh, on the old guy hobbies. Mm. Uh, Cavan from Hamilton. I can attest to lawn care and smoking meat. 100% me now that I'm nearing 40 so, Cavan and Hamilton. And that's out my way. So, maybe that's what I have to do. I don't know. I, uh, I'm trying to think, like, what the equivalent would be for me. Not that women can't be maybe, lawn hey, care and smoking or, meat. Or World War II history. Or World War II. But, like, you know, most of that doesn't really interest me as much. Like, I guess baking. A lot of baking bread. Right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of baking there, bread. That was hot in the streets in the pandemic. <sighs> was it ever? Yeah. Uh, my wife, big, uh, likes to pretend she's a gardener. Oh, like, I mean, yeah. oh, yeah, I got a green thumb. Plants, got so. a green thumb? Uh, no, no. Do you have a little, like, uh, herb garden, a little yeah. veggie garden? Oh, yeah, What's yeah. What's in there? Tomato plants. Nice. And, yeah. uh, last year, zucchinis just took over. Those things are monsters. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was intimidating in the house. I didn't like it. It was just, it was like, <laughs> looked like a bat in the backyard. It was overtaking oh, the, the everything. Yeah, it was too much going on there. So zucchinis are out, a little tomato, a little basil, mm. you know? Put there, on a little margarita pizza. There you go. There's, oh, you know what? A pizza oven is a thing that I oh, can see I would getting. Love, I would love that. I've thought about it, but until child is old enough to know better, you yeah, gotta yeah. keep it safe in there. back there, you know? Yeah. Uh, I would say get in a green thumb, bacon, um, baking, not bacon, uh, that too, though. Uh, maybe like getting into like knitting mm. gifts Crochet. for people. Crochet. Yeah. Like, you know, someone's having a baby soon, mm-hmm. you just get cooking on that baby blanket. Maybe they'll be doing some knitting and crocheting on the Golden Bachelor. That feels pretty off brand for those ladies, though. I feel like no, they would be hard like non There's going to be one lady that brings. Leans into it. And she's like, yeah, I'm a grandma. Yeah. And I'm a great grandma. And I, I'm okay with that. Mm, okay. Let me knit you a custom <laughs> suit for tonight, a nice tie. She might knit this guy a tie. <laughs> We're waiting for Chad Kelly. Um, in the meantime, we got Bill Ripkin joining us at 8 o'clock. Uh, t- we were chatting about the Angels earlier in the show, how the Guardians swept up all of the free mm-hmm. agents. Blue Jays didn't get in on any, but they were lower down the priority list of the waivers. So, I, you know, kind of the the sad middle that they're in, right? They're not, middle. they're not good enough to not even be in the conversation yesterday. We were thinking, well, maybe it'll slip through, but they're not bad enough to be at the top of the list like the Guardians were who ended up with Giolito Moore and Lopez, then Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader went to the Reds. But Randall Gritchick, 
untouched. Amazing. How do you think he's feeling this morning? Just not, like, oh, okay. Uh, not great, probably. Uh, Randall Gritchick, although he's going to wake up in Southern California or wherever the Angels are planning their trade mm. uh, any given day and uh, count his buckets of money, and he'll be just fine. But yeah, he can uh, he can be the Woody Harrelson <laughs> gif of drying his tears with his money if he's too broken up about it. It is uh, not nice that he's the only one. You know, you would have mm-hmm. he would have maybe felt a little less bad if somebody else went unclaimed, and also the fact that. Three team or two teams snapped up all of the players. I think it adds a little more salt to the wound. That mm. if all those guys went to five or six different teams, you say, okay, well, everyone kind of got their their shot at it. But there would be many people who would have not got their would have not got those players, and maybe they would have felt differently about Gritchick. So yeah, probably not great if you're him. And I think that this is something that baseball has to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that make this a thing that is not likely to occur going forward. But if it is, I don't think this is the way you want a playoff race to be to be altered. I think that other sports we see it, but the players aren't necessarily as impactful. You know, a guy who is the 25th man on a baseball team, we've seen it. Kevin Biggio has had games this year where he's won it for the Jays. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when we see NBA buyouts, the guy who's a buyout is not oftentimes winning a game for a playoff team or really changing things too, too much. These guys could impact the race in a big way. And then the other part of it that I, I do want to bring up again is, and, you know, life isn't fair, so why should this be? But if the Twins get the benefit of the doubt of getting an automatic playoff spot despite the terrible division they're in, they probably shouldn't get to be in a waiver. I don't think they should have the third highest waiver mm. priority with all the other teams, but it does seem that it's a little unjust that they get the benefit of being in the bad division and they still get the playoff spot, but they also get the benefit of having their terrible record and giving them waiver priority. So I didn't. that part of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I saw yesterday as well that Josh John- Donaldson, uh, who was released by the Yankees, signed a minor league deal with Milwaukee, but he'll be able to play, um, I believe, later on this season. I think he's still kind of getting back mm-hmm. from an injury, but that was uh, a bit. St- what's going on with the Yankees is stunning in general, but Josh Donaldson, people immediately were like, well, let's get him for the Blue Jays, but uh, no. I don't think I wasn't really on board with that idea. No, 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 no. but he'll end up with the Brewers. Um, I guess he's going to go to their AAA team first, but seems like he'll get an opportunity to play some baseball down the road and watch. He'll probably light it up in September. So Entirely possible. Things Stranger to keep an things eye have on. Happened. Things to keep an eye on. Um, if you missed it at the beginning of the show, we we mentioned that sounds like, and cross your fingers and don't and hold your breath, but Chad Green will make his Blue Jays debut um, sometime this weekend mm-hmm. because, uh, as we mentioned, September 1st, an important date in the MLB because you can extend the rosters from 26 to 28 players. So you can add a pitcher and a position player. Chad Green, who we've heard a lot about and haven't seen yet if he's been making his uh, return from Tommy John surgery, should be coming up this weekend uh, with the Blue Jays. He has had, I believe, uh, just over 12 minor league innings this year with a 1.46 ERA, 15 strikeouts and a walk. He's hopefully going to make um, maybe like a couple mid, like low leverage Mm -hmm. starts before we see the real Chad Green. But I mean, I don't really know what the real Chad Green looks like physically either. So would love to see the real Chad Green sometime as a Blue Jay. And it might be this weekend. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, you know, you look at, let's say, if you you could write the script from a Blue Jay's perspective, Mm You would say Hyunjin Ryu is going to go out there and give you four or five innings yeah. of two, three-run ball, something along those and lines. And his leash has been short, but and it's been it good. It's fine. I'm yep. happy with that. And then the Jays are able to 
provide some offense mm-hmm. of their own. I know that is an incredibly tough ask for this team these days, but let's just say that happens. And then you can put Chad Green in a, all right, you get the sixth inning. It's the bottom of the lineup. Mm-hmm. The Jays have a two-run lead. It is a still a lot of ball game left, and you go pitch your inning. That is where outs. you don't want to bring him in with guys on base God, or in the middle of an inning or anything like that. I think they'll be very careful about how they do it. And the other thing is, is that they don't need to be anything mm-hmm. other than that. If this goes perfectly for Chad Green, he can become the Jays' fifth most reliable reliever. Again, just look. It's Romano. It's Hicks. It's Garcia. It's Meza. It's Swanson. It's Richards. Mm-hmm. If he gets above one or two of those guys, I'd be shocked. Yeah. I'm not saying he can't do it, but those guys have such a track record of success this year that they would have to falter for Chad Green, and Chad Green would have to be lights out to kind of overtake them. So I think it's a really nice add for the team. It can maybe take some of the pressure off the starters, but the only way you can make it be an easy day for Chad Green is if the bats do their job, because even if Hanjim Ryu goes and pitches a shutout. If the bats haven't done anything, that's going to feel like a big, big spot where you don't want to fall behind. So that's it's a nice, nice piece to have, but you need the offense to do their part for him to be able to be effective. And, I mean, we mentioned that they're playing in Colorado, which uh, is a hitter-friendly park. Mm-hmm. They're about to start uh, three series in a row against legitimately the three worst teams in baseball. It's not a stretch to say that. So if there's any time to get the bats hot to capitalize on the atmosphere and the mm-hmm. the different type of ballpark, it you is put this up the weekend. seven spot last game. I think that there's really promise that the Blue Jays can make something important out of this stretch. And I think we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but the expectations of this is if the Jays need 90, 92 wins, mm-hmm. let's say in that range, like yep. I think they the Nine and zero would be beautiful. Like there's just obviously there's nothing better than that. Eight and one, incredible. But seven and two, I think, is where that's that's it. Like you can't you can't creep much lower than seven and two on this nine game um, streak here against the Rockies, the Athletics, and the Royals. If you could come end that, head into Texas, won seven and two against these three teams, you really put yourself in a great position to kick some. Mm-hmm. Rangers butt and you need to do that back home and that series will be the most important one of the, of the season. Yeah, Rangers lost their last game as well so the Jays just two and a half back mm-hmm. now. You know, I understand people are listening and saying, what do you mean? They could go six and three and still make the yes, yes, there's a world where they go two and seven in the stretch and still ah. make the playoffs okay? You need to make hay against the teams that it's easy to do so. Mm-hmm. We're all sitting here looking at that Yankees series at the end of the year going, oh, we're going to be licking our chops. It's baseball. You, you cannot assume anything. you're going to go sweep anybody, and that's why you have to take care of your business right now. And the other piece I keep coming back to is the kind of mentality of this team. Once they get rolling, it's a completely different ball club. We have seen it for very limited stretches, mm-hmm. but we have seen it where this group gets rolling, and that's why it's so important to be hot heading into that Rangers series and have it be the kind of final final nail in the coffin, if you will, to kind of have the Jays vault themselves there. They have a lot of work to do, and the schedule is not going to provide them with another opportunity. I know the Yankees are sitting there at the end, but you cannot bank on just winning every single one of those games. This is your time to go on a big, big run. If they don't, they could still do it against the Rangers. They could still do it against the Rays, but it's so much harder. You have to take advantage of this spot, and 
with Ryu going tonight, okay, that's the starter you feel less, the least confident in. You still feel really good about it, and then you have your stud going later in this series in Gosman. You got Kikuchi as well, so starters are lined up for you to succeed. You're getting another arm in the pen. It's all right there for you. Now you just got to get some hits. How many times have we said that this year? Uh, quite a lot, Gunner. Um, but I Too liked many. I liked your inspirational speech. I'm kind of on board for it. Um, I wanted to read this. Obviously, at this point, we're not getting Chad Kelly, mm-hmm. folks. Uh, hopefully, we can get him again maybe next week or something. But he did just sign a big contract, so maybe he's celebrating. You know, he's counting his money. He's had a little late night. He's the, now the highest I, player I, in I, for CFL. one, think he is a pro's pro and did <laughs> not have a late night. And he's just in, like, a cryo chamber. And be. that's why he can't do this. Uh, but nonetheless, Labor Day Classic Monday in Hamilton. That will be an awesome weekend uh, if you can get out there and watch these guys. Big weekend for the CFL. Uh, it has been a great season so far for the Argos and he is leading the way we'll get a chance to chat with Chad Kelly um down the road but let's go from one quarterback to another because mm. I sent you this on Twitter yesterday and you oh that's you right were fired up about it so Aaron Rodgers of course has been the story forever um especially this offseason he's making his debut with the Jets and this quote I don't know. Maybe you're going to take it and like want to run through a brick wall, but maybe you're going to be very annoyed. Uh, so by it. first things first, uh, anytime you have to scroll too far down when reading a quote, right? Uh, I immediately, and I see it's right there. The first reply to the tweet, it was what I was going to respond <laughs> to you with. I ain't reading all that. I'm happy for you though, or sorry it happened. That was immediate. That was my first immediate yeah. reaction to it. Is just this is a lot of words for me to end up rolling my eyes at it. Uh, but yes, Aaron Rodgers uh, is going to do Aaron Rodgers things. Let me read you one yeah. third of the quote. Yep. Just one third, <laughs> it's the because notes honestly, version. we don't have enough time in the rest of the show. Another hour, uh, but quote. I told a friend that this has felt like waking up inside a dream. Stop. Too much. (laughs) Already, already too much. I'm already out. (laughs) This whole experience, a beautiful dream. So many times you have a great dream and you wake up and you think, I just want to get back to that, but I can't quite get back into the dream. I woke up inside of that dream and it's been really, really special, said Rogers. There are a lot of times, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, where I just look around and say, this is my life now. How cool is this? Anyway, the quote is three more paragraphs long, but he's, I don't know, like that spiritual retreat he took when he went into the okay, I have dark cave. I have to give cave. one more sentence. Oh, yeah. It happens in the locker room. It happens walking out and it's the fresh air and the sun setting. What is this prose you're writing? If you, if you want to go write the great American novel, just retire and do it. Don't make me read it via transcripts. I am so sick of Aaron Rodgers. I was sick of him last year. This is a guy who I loved early on in his career. I thought he was so oh, cool. Oh, so soured. I am big time oh, soured. The okay. more he talks, the less I like him. Back to the cave. No more talking for you. I hope it blows up in his face in New York. York. My eyes rolled clear out of my head when I saw this. <laughs> I am so ready to be annoyed by this guy. And I love that. Mm. We need characters in sports. Oh, he one. is one of them. I can't stand the guy. I hope the Jets, I hope something more embarrassing than the butt fumble happens this year. I cannot, I cannot believe this guy. What if it's the most incredible NFL season where we watch Aaron Rodgers lead this team to a Super Bowl. Like, will you find a piece in your heart to say, you know what, this was actually really cool that he did this? Maybe. Oh, maybe okay, so there I is a get, little part in your maybe. heart. Uh, like, but, when the Grinch says it grows yeah, yeah, no, a couple sizes, no. You, you, no, we'll get I've long, I've been a person that generally speaking, once I've made up my mind on something, it's pretty 
it's pretty tough to change it. I fam- Phil Mickelson won his major when he was 50 some odd years old. Mm. Everyone got sucked in loving for it. You didn't? Not me. Get out of really? here. I'm boo. I want to kept got to go steal it from him <laughs> and he choked. So I do not get pulled over into these things. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is balling and he's back, I think that's awesome for the league. He is an incredible quarterback to watch. He is probably, you know, Mahomes is different in this way. I have obviously great belief in Mahomes, but Rodgers is still the guy who feels the scariest in the Tom Brady situation of there's 40 seconds left and no timeouts, and that guy's going to find a way to get his team into field goal position. He is still the guy who feels that way to me. So I would love it to happen. I just will be rolling my eyes every time he opens his mouth throughout it. Have you seen and I, I don't give more than just this conversation mm-hmm. of light to this but Tom Brady rumors about the Patriots I have I've been seeing them and yeah. what do you think of that uh, it's obviously bound to happen the, do you think it's bound to happen no 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 I think the rumors oh, I was like, uh, no, no, no. oh my god I think Gunner. the rumors are bound to happen I think Brady is a guy who loves being pulled in a lot of different directions obviously Especially into the media well and now that his and you know now that like his life has blown up in the way it has and look like you know no one roots for divorce no one's happy about that but obviously he now has a lot more time on his hands he maybe has more attention he wants to get from people and it's just it's pretty obvious to me Brady likes being talked about in this way so I don't expect that part of it to die down anytime soon. There was like conspiracy theories that since the Patriots, they released their backup QBs, Mm -hmm. they had nobody else on the roster, that it opened the door for Tom Brady. I don't know. Do you think there was a a five-minute thought period there? I think if Brady comes back, and I'm not slamming the door on that, I think it is a 49ers... Mm -hmm. They have no quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's week sixteen, and it's hey, do you want to do you want to get ready Can for a imagine? month and a half and do it? They they nearly tried it with Philip mm-hmm. Rivers for one game last year. I know I heard about that. That is still the scenario that makes the most sense to me is him kind of having a marquee starter go out late in the season, Super Bowl caliber team. Can he give it one more run? I gun to my head. I don't think it happens, but if it happens, that's how. Not with the Pats. The conspiracy theory. Because the problem is, is if he goes back to the Patriots. Right now, he, and I don't think this is a fair way to look at it, but he can clearly say, hey, it was me who did it. Look at Belichick without me. Mm -hmm. Look at me without Belichick. If he goes back and it doesn't work, then it's, ah, did they need each other? Da-da-da. Can kind of, this is too strong of a term because nothing can sour Brady's legacy in New England, but it just adds a little bit of a minus to it, and I don't think he'd do that. Well, the conspiracy theory continued that he's already going to be at Gillette Stadium on September 10th. Yep, they're like honoring the him. Thank you, weird. Tom. Game. It's weird. Uh, I think no, it's weird. The first, the first game of the season uh, is yeah, weird. Yeah, maybe That's get all. it over with. Yeah. But the thank you, Tom. Game already going to be there. Yeah, the Eagles are going to be beating the wheels off him. It's going to be. Can uh, you imagine if he goes? Just kidding. I'm playing. That'd be amazing. Rips his suit jacket oh, off and he's got a jersey on. Underneath. Would love to see it. Anyway, football's Start around the corner. Screaming at his wide receivers. Yeah, football's around the corner, and you never know. It could be the Aaron Rodgers season that we never expected, or the Tom Brady comeback season. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, Bill Ripken will join us after the break. We'll chat about what the Angels did. Was it just bad business? Uh, will they change anything moving forward? And how he views this Blue Jays team needing to get 90, 92 wins with three super light opponents on the horizon. We'll wrap it up with Alvin Williams in studio to chat about Canada. 9.30 a.m. against Brazil. It'll be a big one. Uh, lots of implications. A 3-0 perfect start to the tournament, but now it gets a lot more interesting. All that's come on the Fan Morning Show with Brent and Ailish.